It's not quite time for the madness that is college basketball in March, but that doesn't mean the fun has to wait. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is giving all new players the chance to cash $100. New customers can bet $1 on any team to hit a three-pointer in any basketball game this week, and if your team makes it rain, you cash $100. That's right, all it takes is for one three-pointer being hit by your chosen team to turn $1 into $100. Sounds like a no-brainer to me. If basketball isn't for you, DraftKings Sportsbook has daily odds on hockey, soccer, and so much more. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to get your shot to turn $1 into $100 when you bet on any team to hit a single three-pointer in any basketball game this week. That's promo code THPN for new customers to get a shot at 100 to 1 odds on any basketball team to hit a single three-pointer shot. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, Michigan, or Virginia only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. Winnings paid out in four $25 free bets. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg broadcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Berlansky, and as always, I am joined by the man, the myth, and the legend, Nicholas J. Horwat. Horwat, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. Um, this week, I'm this week, this episode, I'm coming to you in a different location. So if I sound echoey, you know why. I'm at my buddy's pool house, our buddy's pool house, I should say. Uh, Berlansky has been here before, and Next time you come back, we'll try and get content for you guys if, if we can. It's definitely a content kingdom over there at the McKinney household, so we'll definitely have to try <laughs> to get something going there. But how, is it, how has it been since the last time I talked to you? I think it feel like it's been like three years, but it's only been like three days. Yeah, because we recorded that last episode early. Yes. Um, things have been well. I've been working, so doing what I can, working, cleaning the basement, and just watching TV. <laughs> Fair enough, fair enough. We'll see how long I can I remain sane today because I adopted a dog today. Uh, his name is Rooney after Art and or Dan Rooney of the Pittsburgh Steelers. So just brought him home literally about 25 minutes ago. So we're going to see how long I can last on here before I go back and try to start acclimating him to his new home. But we're here to talk about the Pittsburgh Penguins and we will talk about the road trip that was kind of for the Pittsburgh Penguins, the four game road trip that they split two and two with both the Washington Capitals and the New York Islanders. So we'll talk about that and then we'll have a season check-in considering we're now 20 games into the season. And so far this season, every time we've talked about standings, I've said, well, let's reserve judgment until we're 20 games in. Well, here we are at the 20 game mark. We'll talk about where the Pittsburgh Penguins are currently and what that says for them going forward for the rest of the 2021 season. But let's start with an overview of the Penguins road trip. They were, of course, like I said, two and two. The games were as follows. They had a 3-2 overtime win against the Washington Capitals in D.C., and then they lost the following game by a score of 5-2 in regulation. They went over to Long Island, where they won again 3-2 in overtime before losing on Sunday to finish off the road trip 2-0, getting shut out for the first time this season. And it was really just 
average Penguins this entire time. They had moments where they were really good, and the best that we've seen them all season. They've had moments where they were the worst that we've seen them all season. So Horwat, overall, looking at this road trip, what are your thoughts on it? You're totally right about it being <clears throat> average Penguins. I mean, in the wins we had, I felt really good about them, obviously, because... Um, the first game in Washington, we came out of the win, and it was kind of streaking that we're still collecting wins, and we're looking good, um, and looking good doing it. And then we take that loss in Washington. Going into that second Washington game, I didn't feel great about it from the start. I think like that morning, I woke up feeling like, we're just not going to win today. I just have that feeling. like We were 4-1 and one going into it, and I'm just like, you can't win them all. We just played them, and we played them well, and it's Washington. That's kind of just the vibe I was getting, and then Zucker ends up getting hurt. Well, okay, now we're really probably not going to do well. And then there was that Wilson hit, which I won't go into because we'll lose four hours on this recording if I go into that Wilson hit and discussing the tweets that I have received from people, the tweets that I have read, the quotes I have read, um, everything about that. I had screenshots ready in case this was part of the rundown, but I'm going to let it all be. I'll let that be. Uh, but, you know, that happened. And I just really was just getting this feeling of, we just don't look good. And then the second period, we looked horrible. You know, and then once we then we tied it up and I was like, okay, maybe something can happen from this. Maybe they'll, you know, bunk my feelings of this game. And then we ended up losing and that's just how I felt about it. I mean, waking up that morning, I really just didn't feel like we were going to win. And then I was right about it. So, <laughs> but that was the Washington game and then the Islanders games. I mean... You don't want to keep going to overtime with teams when it comes to that um, Friday night or Saturday night game, but so be it. It's a win nonetheless. And then I felt confident going into uh, Sunday evening, and it just resulted in another loss, and that's just not what you want to see. But um, I don't know. I felt better about the team, and that's just the first time we're getting shut out all season. Uh, we just got done with that game, by the way, so... Whenever we discuss that game, there might be a little anger about it because it looked horrible. It was not a good game from beginning to end. And I felt confident going into it, like, we can do something. Because I was on the Bar Down Breakdown podcast doing a little live stream of theirs. We were discussing an album, but the game was on kind of in the background for us. Um, And during during the recording of the game, not only did the Penguins go down to nothing we quickly caught up and I felt confident about that team. Like we look good. Like we have a great team right now. And then you go in and you get shut out to nothing to a rookie goaltender. And it, it kind of changes your feelings about it. Yeah. You, you, you have a lot to unpack there. Of course, yeah, I do. The entire thing. And you know what? Listen, the first thing you mentioned was the Jason Zucker injury. And I know mm-hmm. we talked about it on our last episode of the tip of the iceberg. So go back and listen to that for our instant reactions. Cause we recorded that one directly after Tuesday night's game. And at that point, we didn't know what we know now, which is it is a long-term injury. And, of course, a lower body injury, which we already knew, but it is going to be long-term. He's not going to be back anytime soon. And with that, we were lucky on Saturday to get Jared McCann back in the lineup, and he went on to the second line. But I'm going to hold off on talking about that really quickly because – Listen, I'm not going to clip your wings, buddy. If you got something to say on the Tom Wilson hit that happened on Thursday on Mark Jankowski, which has left him out of the lineup these last two games against the Islanders, 
what do you got? I mean, so I'll just like read some of the tweets. So if anyone follows Josh Yoey, you saw these tweets already. Kind of the direct quotes that were said during the game. Like from player to player because there's no crowd to absorb the sound. And Josh Yoey, from wherever he was sitting, could hear pretty much every word. And I'm going to just start right off and saying, uh, any children listening, divert your ears because Tom Wilson decided to drop a couple F-bombs on this. It was, um, you know, Malkin during the time after the hit, Malkin decided to say, nice fucking hit, fuck you. And Wilson responded with a simple fuck you. And of course, Josh, he always says, no fan noise is great in this. Which it is. It From a reporter's perspective, getting all that intake is awesome. And then, you know, you know, Lafferty started going at him. <laughs> and Peter LaViolette decided to jump into it and saying he's allowed to hit him. If you, honest to God, watch the replays, you see how late of a hit it was. And that was kind of the quote that I jumped on because Samantha Pell, who reports on the Capitals regularly, I'm sure if you follow the capture, if you've seen her account numerous times, because I know I have, um... Wilson yelled from the box, that's a great effing hit. No, it wasn't, because um, it was late. And that was one of the responses I got, which I'll dig into. Um, but Samantha Pell later, in, the, in Tom Wilson's postgame, said that um, Tom Wilson on his hit on Jankowski, and quote, I thought it was a great hit, but I haven't watched it. I haven't watched it all in live time. He batted out of the air, and I finished him through the body right after. I think it was a great hockey play, and I'll watch the replay. I, a day later, quoted it and said, it's been a day. Has he seen the replay, and what are his thoughts now? Because genuinely, if you watch the replay, it's a dirty hit because it is late. I'm not saying he should have gotten suspended. I am not saying it was all of all that dirty. I'm just saying it's a late hit, and he's at the bare minimum saying it's not a late hit. That's just straight up wrong, and some of the things that he said um, genuinely had Penguins fans curious about his mental state <laughs> okay and we've seen antonio brown's mental state spiral so i think i think we're still cooling off from that when we see other athletes have harsh opinions on things like that um but some like i genuinely made that tweet said let's just saying it's been a day i just want to know has he seen it and what are his thoughts on it now i wasn't expecting capitals fans to flood my mentions <laughs> immediately after um but I had a couple good ones, and it made me really curious about how some Capitals fans think. Because I know Pittsburgh fans can get pretty rabid with things. But, I mean, you know, Hockey Troll obviously jumped in. Because, of course. As you would um, expect. Yeah. And he said of what you would expect. It's saying that it looks even better in slow motion. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Troll. Moving on. Um, I'm not going to name names on my account, by the, or that name names that responded to me. I'm just going to leave it be. I had someone say pretty much he, saying that Tom Wilson pretty much said it from the box. It was a great effing hit. Again, it wasn't just because it was a late hit. Um, someone said someone needs to make one of those videos where Jankowski gets hit and then bounces around the universe to that song, like the meme. And okay, sure. If you want to make a meme about someone getting literally injured because he hasn't played since. I mean, he finished the game, but he hasn't played since that game. And there was one more that I didn't screenshot, but it was basically saying it was a good hit, but it was a late hit, which makes it a bad hit. And I'm like, 
Thank you for contradicting yourself in quite literally four words. Yeah. So that's that's Capitals fans in my mentions for you, and that's the end of my segment on the Tom Wilson hit because I don't want to keep going into this because multiple teams around the league have had this issue. It is not so much a Penguin issue because that was a big question after the game was what are the Penguins going to do with this Tom Wilson issue? We're not the only team with this issue. It is a league thing at this point, and... There's not much we can do, but just try and outplay him. The thing you do with the Tom Wilson issue, if, if, if that's a thing, is you just play. And if he does it, he does it. If he takes the penalty, he takes the penalty. It's two minutes. You score a power play goal. That's, that's what you do in that instance. But as far as that play is concerned, I won't get too far into it because I know you just stood on your soapbox for a little bit, yeah. and I appreciate that. I, did, I didn't want you to hold that back, <laughs> especially if you had the screenshots, man. I'm not holding you back on that. Listen, as far as Tom Wilson hits go, this was nothing. It was nothing. This yeah. was nothing. The contact that he made was as clean as day, again, but the timing of it was not. The problem was Mark Jankowski could have sat there and had a picnic and then looked up and then gotten hit by Tom Wilson. So the hit itself is not bad, which is honestly a step forward for most of the stuff that we have to talk about with Tom Wilson and yeah. the Pittsburgh Penguins, but it, it was late. And it was deserving of a two-minute penalty. I, I don't know how you call a five-minute major on that. I know I, some people were asking for that. But, listen, it, it was egregiously late, and they called an interference penalty on it. Yeah, it's unfortunate that Jankowski got hurt, but that is just because of how big Tom Wilson is and how sturdy that hit was. I didn't like it. I don't think he should have got suspended for it. I don't think he should have got fined for right. it. I think the two minutes was the right call. Maybe you border on five minutes, depending on how injured Jankowski was. And yes, he hasn't played, but he played the rest of that game. He did and I miss know you don't time directly after. I know yeah. he did miss, miss time directly after the hit as well, but it wasn't much because I know he was playing at least the next, because that was the first period that happened. I know he was at least yeah. in the second and third. So It's just a matter of, listen, the, the hit itself was not dirty. The timing of it was late i'm not going to call it dirty it's late if it happens with any other player in the league this is literally not a storyline it's just hey that's the penalty that happened on thursday night but it's tom wilson against the pittsburgh penguins there's a history there and that's why this is grabbing storylines that's why if you tweet about it you're going to get quote tweeted and you're going to get jumped on in your mentions and that that's the end of the story really there, there shouldn't really be any more discussion yeah and because on of the this care itself and you just hope that jankowski comes back healthy soon yeah and because of the character that it is, it is Tom Wilson. Anything he does, it's going to catch headlines almost immediately. It's that Matthew Kachuk effect where yeah. it's no matter what he does, there's going to be a headline there. It also didn't help that he went on to, you know, get the game-winning goal. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's whatever. It's It just opened the conversation again of what we're going to do with him and his dirty hits because it is Tom Wilson. That yeah. was the issue there. Yeah, that's fair enough, and I think we've we've given enough time to it. And honestly, I, I don't, I I don't know how much time I wanted to give to it. It doesn't really matter to me. But the fact that you came prepared, I'm never gonna turn that down, especially good, yeah. especially whenever I'm lagging the way that I am it a little was, bit today. It's all good, and plus, it is it was something that I'm sure people wanted to kind of get more opinions on and more thoughts on. I mean, it's a little bit in the past now, but. Um... It is something that's still happening. It is something that's going to happen for, I mean, I don't know how much longer his contract is in Washington. Yeah, I have no idea. Once he leaves there and goes to, a, I'm assuming, a Western team, we won't hear about him anymore. 
And uh, the most we'll have to do is whenever we discuss him around the league and whenever he's, I don't know, probably being a good player. I don't know. He's, that's the other issue with Tom Wilson is that he genuinely is a good hockey player. And it sucks to say that. It hurts to say that. But he genuinely does have skill that he can bring. If he's able to you know, tone down the boneheadedness, which even I think even both of us can admit, yeah, he's done that since his 20-game suspension from that hit on Sunquist two days after I drafted him in a fantasy league. <laughs> um, yeah, he's genuinely able to tone it down, and we've seen it. So if he's able to continue doing that and actually just play the game of hockey and not be this dirt human, which I will openly admit to saying I called him that in another quote tweet of, of mine, but, I mean, my thoughts run true on that. Because of his history, not because of this, not because of this single situation. Because of his history. Yeah. So like I said, enough time on Tom Wilson. Let, let's get yeah. to talking a little bit more about the rest of the Penguins road trip. A very 2021 Penguins road trip 500, which is basically where the Penguins have sat around their first 20 games altogether. But somebody that did actually perform really well on this road trip and has performed really well in the past five games is Christopher Letang. He has played a little bit more with a scoring edge, of course, in the last five games. He has four goals and seven points, including two game-winning goals, so we can't take that away from him either. And the big thing with him is the offense, it was only a matter of time. It's not like we had an issue with him in the offensive zone to this to a certain extent. His defense still scares the crap out of me, but <laughs> his defense has scared the crap out of me since 2007. So it's not much different for Chris Letang. It's just finally we're starting to get the offensive production that we need to be able to look at his performance and say, okay, that's allowable to go out there for 24 minutes of play. Yeah, and I mean, he's had a hell of a couple of weeks. He's had a hell of a month. I mean, offensively, again, we're not discussing the whole def the defensive side of his game. That's kind of it's the defensive side of his game is a little harder to make that discussion point. Make that a discussion point because I mean, those are numbers I don't understand or follow that much. More more you do, I'd say. But I mean, in the month of February. He's had 11 points, which, okay, so maybe six of those came in the matter of two games, but still, for an entire month, I mean, from the time he returned, because he was hurt for like the first game or two of the month, from February 6th until now, I mean, 11 points in the matter of 10 games, like you're over a point per game, which is more than Crosby can do this year so far. It's a hell of a look so far offensively, and if he's able to continue his play the way he's been offensively at least, it's going to look good. It's going to look a lot better for the Latang cult. It's <laughs> going to look great. Um, but, I mean, if you have more stuff on his defensive play, let me hear it because I'm all for understanding how poor he's been defensively because I know it hasn't been phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, we've been in about a 500 team all month, so we'll have to... I'll have to hear that from you. And I'm not going to go into his Corsi or his Fenwick or any of those yeah. advanced statistics. All I'm going to say is it's pretty obvious, even with the eye test, that Christopher Letang in his own zone is a bit of a wild card, especially whenever he decides that he wants to go ahead and try to make a superhero play, and then it turns <laughs> into him making a super dumb play, and it turns into a goal. And we've seen that on several occasions. And honestly, a 
couple games ago, we saw that his stick just didn't want to stay together, and that's what killed him multiple times in that game. So it's a mixture of bad luck and just the way that he plays the game. It's inherent to bring forward consequence, and that's what his game really has always been about, and that's what it's still going to be about. So if anybody thinks that he's going to change his game at this point of his career, it's not going to happen. So we're still going to see 25 minutes of crazy hockey, and now all we have to kind of buffer that is is more crazy hockey by Mike Matheson, but I won't get too deep into the Mike Matheson stuff because he is just, he is a fun player to watch. And sometimes it's amazing what he can do with the puck. And sometimes when he doesn't have the puck, you just don't understand why we're paying this man league minimum, let alone what we're paying him overall. I mean, going into the season, um, if anyone watched the first in the room episode, uh, all the players were talking about how quick he is and he is fast. When we signed him, Jim Rutherford was boasting about he's going to be the fastest player in the defensive core. He might be, um, but you need his game to kind of really show it. And for a minute, it did. For a minute, we were both saying, like, Matheson's looking better than we expected. I think, you know, we did our hockey New Year's resolutions for the team, and I said, I just want Matheson to be worth it. You know, and he played to be worth it for a couple of games, and yeah, the step back might be starting, and... You really hope we can figure something out with him. But um, for what it's worth, I'm not totally upset with this game, at least. Like I said, he looked good. He looked to be turning things around. And he looked to be a pretty good player for ourselves. And that's good for him. And I had more of the Latang thing. Oh, <laughs> yeah, honestly. And I will stand by it that if Latang's stick didn't break both in both situations, we may have won that game. We may have won that game because if, if his first stick doesn't break um, on that penalty kill, he either ties up the man or gets the puck out in one way or the other does and eliminates that power play goal. Um, and let's say his first stick does break, so be it. We were in probably about to start a good, a good handle on the empty net situation. I'm not saying we would, we would have been able to tie it up again, but I mean... I think I liked our chances. We looked like we were about to turn something around, at least. And I'm just, maybe that's me being blindly hopeful. <laughs> but if Latang's stick didn't break, I'll stand by that. We were probably going to win that game. And yeah, Hockey Troll was loving that one. So was Polly for the most part, actually. Listen, those two love any time the Capitals are able to beat the Pittsburgh Penguins. So because it doesn't happen too often anymore. I, we still have a four to two series lead over them on the season series, so we'll have to see how the rest of that shapes out a little bit later in the season. But Jared McCann on Saturday, jumping into the New York Islanders series, Jared McCann is able to return to the lineup after one game without Jason Zucker, which is really a welcome return for the Pittsburgh Penguins because with Zucker going down on Tuesday and Jankowski going down on Thursday, you needed somebody added into the lineup that was not replacement level. And yes, Anthony Angelo was added in, for Saturday and Sunday, he didn't really play all that much either game, but Jared McCain able to jump in and just give a little bit of a jolt to the second line because on Thursday, watching Zach Aston Reese on the second forward line just gave me nightmares about where this season could go. But luckily, McCain came back and he even scored a goal as well on Saturday night. A nice goal to tie the game up at the beginning of the third period on a good feed by Evgeny Malkin. McCann showed that he does have a great shot, his third of the year. And really, he played a pretty good game. And when asked before that game what he brings to the second line, he said pure speed. And that is exactly what he showed on, on Saturday. Yeah, he was flying into the season confident. Um, 
I don't remember the quotes from before the season, but I mean, he ended last season on a huge goal drought. And we think we all remember that. It was 20 games at least, wasn't it? 22. 22, yeah. Yeah, he ended last season on a huge goal drought, and he came into the season and was asked about it. And I don't remember the direct quote, but he was confident in this upcoming season. He said he's he knows he's going to kick that, but also focus on what he needs to do to help the team win. If if it is scoring, if it's not, I mean, obviously scoring helps the team win, but no matter what, he was coming into this season confident in what he can do, whether it be defensive or defense or offense, and. You know, he knows offense is the better part of his game. We all know offense is the better part of his game. And um, him coming back and plugging in on the second line with the Zucker injury is really good. I mean, I said on the last recording that um, he was with the team. He was traveling with the team. And in this COVID world we live in, that's not something you do if you're not going to play or at least be close to it. So the you know, and I figured he wasn't going to be in the Saturday game, um, or the Thursday game, I should say, which I was right about, but then the fact that he was able to play Saturday and Sunday was a good turnaround, and that's not exactly what I what I wanted, because it would have been nice to have him there for that second Washington game, but I mean, so be it, it happens, and he was able to come in and play a big role in the Saturday night game against the Islanders, and I'd say that was a big part of helping us get a victory, at least. Well, yeah, the game-tying goal does a, a, does a pretty big part in, in helping yeah. getting the, the victory whenever you win by a score of 4-3, to three. but no, I think he played a really good game on, on Saturday. Sunday, I'm not sure there were many players on the Pens that played a, a good game, so we won't get too, too deep into that because... All it was was all the issues that we've had all season just amplified to the next level, and, yeah. and then you that's what you have on Sunday, and a 2 it's, to nothing loss. And so. it's Islanders hockey. You give up the first goal, and then they go into trap, and it's over. We just weren't able to combat it this time. Yeah, it looked exactly like all of the other games we played against the Islanders in, in the 2018 playoffs. Am I thinking of the right one? No, the 2019 playoffs. And really all of last season, this is the first time in a while that we've actually had a really good record against the Islanders in the regular season. We're still four and two against them as well. So you're just, again, with the two games left against Washington and the two games left against the Islanders, you're going to have to win that. Cause as we're going to see here in a little bit, when we go over the standings in the East division, those are the two teams you're probably going to have to be fighting with for a playoff spot. It, it seems like a five headed race right now for four spots. So there's going to be one person, one dancer left without a chair and if you're the Penguins, you're going to have to win those games against those two teams and the team that's coming up in this next couple of games. I mean, three straight games against the Flyers. We'll talk about that a little bit, too. So that's going to be huge as well. Before we you know, get to that a little bit more about the this last road trip, I only have a couple more notes on it. I mean, for one, congratulations to Kasperi Kapanen, his 100th career NHL point. That was on his assist to the Latang goal on Saturday. The first Latang goal, I should say, where he controlled the puck below the net, was able to find Latang basically in the same spot that he scored the game winner in 2016 Stanley Cup Final. So good on Kasperi Kapanen getting his 100th NHL point. And honestly, the way he's played so far on the first line, again, starting to pick up where he left off before he hit a dip on the second line and playing extremely well with Sidney Crosby. Yeah, um... I mean, Kasperi Kapanen, I think even whenever he was 
in the midst of that game where he got benched. He looks good wherever he plays. He looks like the fastest player on the ice no matter what. I mean, I said before, he outskates the puck half the time. <laughs> and that's, I mean, that's not what you want to be doing. And you want to have control and be able to contribute with your speed. And he does that when he's able to con- control the puck. So I think it's good that he was able to really hone himself in. An absolute bomb of a game winner in overtime for that uh, Thursday. Thursday? Saturday. The, whenever it was. Whichever one. Oh, wait, you, you mean Capitals was on Tuesday. Tuesday. Hold on. Yes. Long time ago now. Yeah, we got we got four games we're talking about, so memory does get a little fuzzy, especially when it's only against two different teams. Yeah, so, so be it. Either way, yeah, Capitals looked phenomenal no matter where he plays. I mean, he's a guy that when he got here, we started him on the fourth line to get acclimated with um, game game speed, and he played really well on the fourth line. And then we saw him pushed up to the second with Malkin, and he played well there. He you know contributed with Malkin, and now he's on the first where he was acquired to play, and he's contributing there as well. I mean, you hope it stays that way at least going forward with him because. He's a guy that I predicted to really have himself a breakout career year because he will be playing alongside Crosby, and he brings such an element of speed that's something different to this team. Yeah, he's played really well so far, and I expect that's going to continue, especially with the longer he plays with Sidney Crosby, the closer he's going to get to him. And in 17 games, he has 10 points, three goals and seven assists. So definitely good numbers for a first liner that's trying to get acclimated to a new team and trying to get acclimated to a new line. Cause this is still, even though he's played in 17 games, he's only played on the Crosby line for about five or six. So only about a handful and we'll see how he can get acclimated with Crosby later on in the season. But the only other note that I had on this, this road trip has nothing to do with Sunday, of course, because it's a positive note and it's Tristan Jari being five and two in his last seven games. 923 save percentage and a 243 goals allowed average. It seems like he's turned the corner. I know we've been talking about this for the last couple episodes, but it's something that you need to see. And Sunday, he got a deserved day off because he had had, I believe, six or seven starts in a row. And it was in the second half of a back-to-back against a team that does bring it in the New York Islanders. So Jari is on his game, and I would assume we see him on Tuesday against Philly. Yeah, I would assume we see him... Oh, pretty much any game that's not part of a back-to-back. Yeah. Um, I think that's how we're going to start treating him because he has turned his game around to the point of he looks like a good starter again. Excuse me. I had his numbers um, comparing his January games to his February. I could probably pull them back up in a minute. But um, I had them written down somewhere. I left them at home. I wanted to have them for here, but... So be it. Uh, but he has looked way better from the month of January to February. I think the turn of the month really helped him. I mean, you said the record already. He looks great in the month of February so far. And that's I'm assuming that's how it continues because he is the starter on this team. Mm-hmm. And then, obviously, I mean, yeah, DeSmith played okay on um, Sunday night today. But it didn't, it didn't uh, collect in a win. So it's going to, not back to the doghouse with him, but it's back to the point of we're going to roll with Jari. He's our starter. He's our guy. I mean, when he is your starting goalie, whether he's playing good or bad, you roll with him. I think we said this 
Mm-hmm. Um, at some point before that, he is the starter, and that's just who you roll with, whether he's doing good or not. And now he's doing great, and now you do have to roll with him and have to play with him. That was back in the crazy times where Penguins Twitter was already talking about Casey DeSmith making it a goaltending controversy about two weeks into the season. And that was all the trade rumor era with Flurry and John Gibson snuck oh, That his was way prior to the trade rumor era. Okay. I mean, don't get me wrong. Well, but it definitely started when people were saying, oh, maybe Casey DeSmith should be the starter after DeSmith won, I believe, the two games against Washington in the first week of the season. And don't get me wrong, like, John Gibson would be, he would be a ton of fun to have here. Yeah, so would Carey Price. But I'm talking John Gibson for more of like, he's the hometown kid. He has such talent. And then he's from here. Like, you just, it's the the extra storyline that would make it so much fun. I mean, I can see Pittsburgh Clothing Company making that shirt already. Yeah, the pit, the Dantan boy or whatever, the Pittsburgh boy, I, I could see it as well, but that is not something that's going to happen. That is not a move that Ronnie Hextall is going to make. I mean, he did make a move this past week, acquiring Mark Friedman, one of his former draft picks, off the waiver wire from the Philadelphia Flyers. And I also inquired with our friends at the Three Pigeons Puckcast, who I'm sure we're going to get very reacquainted with this week with three games against Philly coming up. And they basically said, listen, he's only played in 11 NHL games. He hasn't really had a chance to show himself. But at the end of the day, he's a 25-year-old on a very team-controlled contract, and it's a very low, under-a-million-dollar contract. So if it helps, then you picked it up for nothing. If it hurts, then it really doesn't hurt all that much. So first move of the Hextall era is bringing in one of his former draft picks. And then, of course, he also hired somebody as well. And for right now, I can't think of it. I know his last name Chris is Pryor. Pryor. But Chris Pryor? I think it's Chris Pryor. I was thinking of something else uh, is a first name. But, yeah, Chris Pryor is the director of player personnel. So things are moving and shaking in the Hextall era already. Yeah, and not only are they moving and shaking, he's bringing in um, names that he – had acquired himself pretty much. I mean, yeah, Chris Pryor is was his was his go-to in Philly, and you see what Philly is. You see what kind of team Philly has now. It's a good move. When I saw that, I saw Mark Friedman at first. I mean, right off the jump, Elliot Friedman decided to make the tweet that um, Pittsburgh claimed Friedman off of waivers, not putting in a first name. That which is such a great move on him to kind of get. Um, his name out there in a little bit and it made for a fun couple of hours on twitter hmm. um all of the elliot friedman gets claimed by brian burke tweets for going around there was a couple edits of friedman in a penguins uniform like as the headshot that were that looked good it looked it was really it was a fun thing but um when you get into the dichotomy of the whole signing i was excited about it because it was a a Hextall draft pick and we and we've seen what his draft picks have done so far yeah he's a guy that hasn't proved himself yet but I that's something to still have hope about like maybe it's just one of the late bloomers that he has that and the Flyers defense prospects were very loaded they had a lot of them pretty bulky yeah and they keep signing NHL guys no less Mm -hmm. like they have they kind of have not as much as the Penguins do at this point, but they have their own little surplus in there. Yeah. You know, they keep signing NHL guys on top of these prospects. So, I mean, Mark Friedman's a guy that I know nothing about, but if he is a Hextall guy and um, someone that Hextall and Pryor, who we just 
decided to sign. Um, he is someone that both of those guys can agree upon and think can do something. One day down the road, maybe this Mark Freeman can really do something for our blue line, especially our blue line now that might go undergo some changes. And we'll get into all of that on a future episode because there is definitely a lot to talk about on the Penguins blue line if it is to ever get fully healthy. But we're going to take a quick break right now. When we return, we'll have a season check-in because the Penguins are 20 games into the 2021 season. We'll be right back. This episode of the Tip of the Iceberg is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-belt grooming, offering precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Got a crazy bush? I may not be a contractor, but even I know that if you trim your hedges, your tree stands taller. This is why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Millions of balls are about to be nick-free thanks to Manscaped's new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. Featuring advanced skin-safe technology to keep your soldier polished and cut free. If you're like me and like to handle this kind of business in the shower, the Lawnmower 3.0 is waterproof and features an LED light, so even guys as blind as I am can see what they're doing. If you are listening to me, you are one of the first people to hear about this life-changing product, and you too can experience it firsthand. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THPN at manscaped.com. Again, that's code THPN for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Trust me, your balls will thank you. Hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. The Pittsburgh Penguins are 20 games into the 2021 NHL season, and it has been a very average start to this point. But they're not out of it. They're not in it. They're kind of in the hunt right now, and they need to find themselves. They've seemed to find themselves at home, but on the road, they really need to figure out their game Luckily, they have a five-game homestand coming up that they can kind of right the ship against two teams that are going to be right around them. The Philadelphia Flyers, who are going to be a team that they're contending for a playoff spot with, and the New York Rangers, who are a team directly below them in the standings, even though there is kind of a gap between the Rags and the Pens. But as of right now, 20 games in, the Penguins have an 11-8-1 total record. They are 7-1 at home, but they are 4-7-1 on the road. Good enough for fifth place in the Mass Mutual East Division. Two points behind the Flyers for that last playoff spot. Horwat, so far into the season, with Washington, Boston, the Islanders, and Philly above the Pens, but only five points separating all five of those teams. What have you thought so far of the season, and do you think the Penguins belong in that top four? Oh, I have thought so far this season is wild. Especially because, I, like I said, we're only playing our division. We're, with all these overtimes we're hitting, we're just handing out points to all these opponents that we kind of need to be, you know, getting regulation wins over. But on top of that, I mean, it's just, it's been wild and it's been a ton of fun. Mm. I think that's the way I look at it so far. I still think we're in it. Um, I put a lot of, maybe it's a little bit of blind faith again. I put a lot of blind faith in the fact that we have 32 32, which is a ton, 32 possible points up in the air still to come against the New Jersey Devils and the Buffalo Sabres. 
again, we have a Pittsburgh curse of playing down to inferior opponents. We've seen it with the Steelers, and we've seen it with the Penguins quite often in recent years. But I'm still confident that this is the kind of year that you're playing teams two times in a row. You know, some occasions it might be three. So it's it starts to feel like a playoff series. I think if, like, if you were to put up a quote-unquote playoff series against a team like the Devils or Sabres, we're pulling that out. We're figuring it out. We're not just going in one game, taking an L, and moving on. We're going to go in one game, maybe get an L, maybe get one or two here and there, but we're going to figure their game out quickly because we play, we're going to be playing them so often down the stretch here. Um, so I'm putting a ton of confidence in the fact that we have so many points up for grabs against those two teams that, yeah, we may be two points out, out, quotes, in the, of the playoffs right now. I mean, we're two points out, but we're, what, five out of first. Yeah. That's something you couldn't say in a normal season. So not only that, the rest of these teams have not looked phenomenal. I mean, as we speak right now, after that Islanders game, that second one, the Capitals are leading the division with 28 points. I don't think either of us predicted the Capitals to be number one, and the fact that we have beaten them four times already should say that, hey, they really are not that great of a team. There's that. The Bruins, who we just, who we said, both of us, and I think everyone kind of has this consensus that they would win the division, have not looked good. I mean, two straight games of seven goal, giving up seven goals. Their defense is really struggling. And it's not all the Dana Chara. It's the fact that it was Chara and Krug that were two of their main leaders in that clubhouse. Uh, and not even that. I mean, I, I watched their first game against the Rangers where they gave up six, I think it was. I looked at their starting lineup and I thought, other than that first line, really, who? Other than that first line and Jake DeBrusque, really, who are these people? Who are these people? Not so much that these are guys that can do something. Legitimately, I've never heard of half of these names. But they are, and, and they're in the same division as me now. And they've always been in the same conference. And they've always been a team that, you know, gets things done and are in the spotlight. But who are these people on this team? It blows my mind that they're able to be that good. Like, is the first line really that good? But once we see Tuka Rask be himself, it's not pretty. We can see him give up six, seven goals a game. And then the Islanders are ahead of us. They're a team we know we can kind of handle. And there's the Flyers, who we've only played twice. So who knows where that goes? I mean, I, I'm confident that we can grow back into a playoff spot in this division going forward. You're talking about players like Jack Studnicka, who is now a fixture in the Boston Bruins lineup. Exactly. Like, who are these people? Yeah, the Bruins have not looked like the dominant Boston Bruins that we have saw last year when they went straight to a President's Trophy and the year prior where they went straight to the Stanley Cup Finals. They're definitely a lot weaker than they were then. Doesn't mean that they're weak, per se, but that just means that they're not untouchable. And yeah. we obviously know that the Islanders and the Capitals aren't untouchable because we're 4-2 and two against both of those teams. And the Philadelphia Flyers, yes, we lost both games to them early in the season. I'm very intrigued, and we'll get into that now. I'm very intrigued to see how this three-game set goes against them this week because we have them, I believe, what, Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday? 
this week. I know it starts Tuesday. Let me double check that real quick. Yes, Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. And then, of course, Saturday, Sunday being a back-to-back for the second straight weekend. And we welcome in the New York Rangers for the last two games of that homestand. But the first three of this homestand against the Philadelphia Flyers, a team that right now, if we're the Pittsburgh Penguins and we look right above our heads, there's Philadelphia. So it's going to be a massive three-game set. I mean, let's start off with this, Horwat. How many games do the Penguins need to take from the Flyers right now for you to feel comfortable in their positioning? Obviously, you'd like three, but realistically, love three. what makes you comfortable? You would love three. I mean, given how poorly, how poorly we played against them in the first two games of the season, I'd be happy with one, maybe one and a half. Let's say three out of the six possible points. But God, we would need two for me to be comfortable. For me to be comfortable. I would say two because it's the Flyers. They're going to put up a fight. They're probably going to win one. Um, I would be happy to take three of the six points, but comfortable with four. Does that yeah. make sense? And is that like a reasonable answer with it, us? It, it sounds like exactly what the Penguins need, at least. Because if you look at the standings right now, if the Penguins take two of the next three games in regulation – which is a very hard Huge thing for the Penguins part. because they only have three of their 11 wins in regulation, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> if they could take two of the next three in regulation against the Flyers, that will have them tied with the Flyers in the standings, and they'll have them two and three against them on the season, which is not bad. And like you said, 32 possible points still up for grabs against the New York or New Jersey Devils, yikes, and the Buffalo Sabres, who are a New York-based team. So... It all comes together there. Don't shoot me, Neil, specifically. And then but, there is two more games against the Rangers, which we should handle. So make it 36 up points yes. up for grabs there from the bottom three teams in the division. Yes. Something there. But I the thing about the math. way the Penguins play the Flyers early in the season is the Penguins themselves did not play poorly. Mark Jankowski actually played the best he's ever played all season. And the team did not play all that bad the problem was they weren't able to score Evgeny Malkin did play bad and Tristan Jari was absolutely awful so we fixed a lot of those things for one other than Sunday night this is a bad time to say this but we figured out our, our scoring on our top half our depth scoring has become an issue because it has kind of went away other than we had a nice little run there where the third line was scoring basically every game. That seems to have come to a screeching halt. But luckily, our, our top-end scoring has figured itself out. So we fixed that. Evgeny Malkin, on the road to fixing that. Tristan Jari, listen, we already talked about it. Tristan Jari is much, much better. So I think the Penguins will match up a lot better this time with the Philadelphia Flyers. If they can control the puck the way they did, I think they'll be able to get two of these games and to be able to be in the running to take three of them. Yes, you want three of those games because if you take those, you surpass the Flyers. And with the way that this division has been heading, you might surpass another team too if you can get a full week without a loss. So let's hope that that's what happens. I think that there's definitely there's definitely a way for them to do that. There is a road to three wins in this coming week against the Flyers. It's just a matter of finding it. And realistically... The best way to do that is for your fourth line to be able to step up. And right now, 
Elliot Friedman on the fourth line might be a step up because the fourth line has not been able to produce anything whatsoever. And we will talk about that fourth line when we talk about our Penns poll. So we are going to take another quick break. But when we come back, we'll be discussing the Penguins fourth line and who should be the fourth line center if the team gets to full health. We'll be right back. He's my brother, Mike. He's my brother, man. And we are the brothers of discussion hosting Red Wings Rant, where tirades and impassioned pleas about your Detroit Red Wings finally have a vote. In a season mired in tragedy and despair, we are here to be your audible Earl Grey, to bring joy, placidity, and perspective to one of the roughest eras of Red Wing history. Ah! We honor the past, find the positives in the present. I swear they're there. And paint the picture of what's to come in the Wing Wheels future. Paul Woods here on the radio broadcast of your Detroit Red Wings, and I'm going to play games like Who's That, Who's that Come on? Where Matt has to try and guess quotes pulled right out of context for Jeff Lashaw, and we got to figure out who that Red Wing is. <laughs> Every episode, we put ourselves in the legendary shoes of Steve Eiserman and play Be the GM, finding ways to ice a competitive team while accumulating assets for the franchise's future. We also shoot the breeze. Some of the great local and national voices in Red Wings hockey, including Ken Kell and Keith Gabe and Greg Wyshynski and Ryan Lambert. Check us out every Monday and Thursday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and everywhere else you listen to podcasts. And check us out live every Wednesday and Sunday for Red Wings reactions and live conversations with you on our YouTube channel, The Brothers of Discussion. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. My name is Nick Ferlansky, joined as always by Nick Horwat. He is currently at the pool house, which I might have to make the trek from DC <laughs> back to the Pittsburgh area to go visit Mr. Matthew McKinney in his famed pool house. But he's only here for a limited amount of time. So okay, so I'll have, have to, to make my scheduled appointment early in the year. <laughs> but we're talking about the Pens poll for this last week, and it is when fully healthy, the Pens fourth line center should be. Jared McCann, actually, one who is now kind of not going to be an option now that he has to have second-line minutes. But Jared McCann was the choice selected by the Pittsburgh Penguins faithful with 56% of the vote. Evan Rodriguez came in second place with 23% of the vote. And Mark Jankowski rounded out the bottom with 21% of the vote. Horwat, before I ask you who you voted for, while the favor of Mark Jankowski has gone so low as to be behind Evan Rodriguez at this point, do we remember when the pitchforks and torches were out for Evan Rodriguez about three weeks ago prior to his injury? I mean, ever since we got him, really, I think the pitchforks have been out for him. It doesn't help we got rid of one Dominic Cahoon for him. Yeah. So I think I think that trade itself, are, I mean, at least in my mouth, it the Evan Rodriguez, you know, Pittsburgh acquiring Evan Rodriguez always left a bad taste in my mouth because we got rid of a Dominic Cahoon for him. I feel a little more on Rodriguez's side this year because it's, I mean, this acquiring him this time around is technically different. Technically. Technically it's different because we traded him away and we, they just so happened to not read, the Maple Leafs just so happened to not re-up his contract, so he picked him up as a free agent. So I can, I mean, so technically the trade tree ends. Technically, it's an entirely new signing. Mm-hmm. So I can I give a little more I give a little more love to Evan Rodriguez in that sort of situation. So, um, 
Yeah, people are coming around on Rodriguez a little more because Jankowski has just played that bad. It's... And I think the big issue with Rodriguez wasn't the way he was playing. It was where he was playing, and I don't think anybody wanted to see him on the first line, especially once Kapanen got over here and they still had Evan Rodriguez on the first line. It literally took Erod getting hurt for them to decide to move up Kasperi Kapanen from the fourth line. So I think that has a lot to do with it, and I think the way that Mark Jankowski has played since those two games in Philadelphia also has a lot to do with it, and I feel like it's amazing how quickly he lost favor in this city. It Yeah, it really is, and not only that, I mean... He looked good in the first couple of games. I wrote about how good that third line looked. And past that, things have not been the same. And as I'm looking at the tweet now, I voted for Evan Rodriguez. And I think that kind of just backs up everything I said you know, 20 seconds ago. That it took um, a whole new trade tree for me to really actually want and appreciate Evan Rodriguez on this team. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he might be able to play better than... Um, Mark Jankowski goes just goes without saying. As for Jared McCann in this situation, you know, yeah, he's the ideal person down there, but it's not a spot he wants to be in, nor is it a spot we want to put him in because we know he's better than that. I think that's what hurts him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ideally, you want a goal scorer down there. You want someone who can do something, but he's not the guy for it. Yeah. But I mean, now he's really not that Zucker's hurt. I mean, it wouldn't fit in his idea or any fan's idea of that fourth line. It just hurts that Jankowski has played that bad, and I think that's kind of what plays into this situation. As far as Jared McCann winning this poll, I'm not going to bash on the Penguins fans on Twitter, and I'm not going to bash on our listeners that voted for that, because looking at this list and you think about when fully healthy – which of these players is the best player? And it's easily Jared McCann. It, it's not even a question. Jared McCann is the best of these three players. But in State of Hoppy, I believe, also commented on the poll and said, listen, the, the Jared McCann as a center experiment should basically be thrown out at this point. And I, I yeah. tend to agree. I think he's much better as a winger, and I think he is much better utilized as of right now, obviously, as a top six winger because the Penguins need it. And I, I think he just needs to be on a line that has that speed and that can open things up for him offensively. And I don't think centering a line is something that is going to open up kind of Pandora's box when it comes to Jared McCann's offensive ability. So I, I see why in this poll, I, I see why people would click on it because he's best option far and away the best option when it comes to pure skill and pure talent. But honestly, I, I chose Evan Rodriguez for the same reason right now. I think Mark Jankowski needs some time. And Jankowski can play the wing as well. He's not just a center. Yeah. So he needs some time to not have as much responsibility. I think that would help him. And right now, of course, he needs some time to heal because of the Tom Wilson hit, which we talked about earlier. But the one last thing I think we should discuss here is, and I don't know why I didn't think of this as an option, but Sam Lafferty has played fourth line center the past two games. Do you find him, if McCann is not an option because of the Zucker injury, because McCann needs to be a top six winger, do you find Sam Lafferty is a better option than Erod and Jankowski still? Oh, I don't think. Lafferty, really? I don't think. Here's the thing. Can't – I might be wrong in this, but can't Colton Sevier also kind of play center? No. No, not at all. I mean, he's listed as a center right winger on hockey reference. Really? I, I didn't think he was a center at all. But if he can, I still don't 
think I would play him at center. <laughs> I'm looking for like his face off, like career face off percentage sort of situation. Um, yeah. he's taken. Okay, so he's taken about 600 career face offs. If that means anything to you, yes. If, okay, so then there's that. His career face off percentage is 43.9, but it has he has definitely taken less as his career has gone on. Um, I think that may have just been the way, or has he taken more since his career? Was I reading it backwards? I was. I was reading his stat line backwards. He has taken less Come or on, more, more as a, I've had a few. Yeah. <laughs> if it wasn't obvious, um, he's taken more faceoffs as his career gone on. Florida yeah. used him fairly frequently as a center. Um, granted, not to great results, mm-hmm. but so be it. I mean, he's still taken over 600 it seems or around 600 for a career which is something to say for a 10-year veteran in the NHL and now as because like I said I'm at the pool house I'm being watched as I record this portion of the podcast yeah and and honestly I like Sam Lafferty I do I think he has a place in this lineup but I think we saw the best case scenario for Sam Lafferty a couple days ago when he got pushed up onto the third line he needs a line that plays with speed. Sam Lafferty's game is made to play with a guy like Brandon Tanev. We saw what those two could do against the Capitals on Thursday. Those two created havoc. Those two created havoc, I believe, on Tuesday. They played together a little bit, too, after the, the Zucker injury. I think some moving and shaking was made there. But those two play well together, and Sam Lafferty needs to play with a quick line, which is why... Sam Lafferty centering Anthony Angelo, a, a Drew O'Connor, a Colton Sevier is not really going to work because Angelo, or sorry, because Lafferty is going to be looking to move like a Ferrari. Meanwhile, he has two Mack trucks on his side, 55 yards behind him on the ice. So I think he would be a, a decent option as a fourth line center if you could get the guys to surround him. If you can get an Evan Rodriguez to play on that line, if you could find somebody else, because even Mark Jankowski. I don't think has the speed to properly unlock the best game that Sam Lafferty has to bring. Yeah, you're kind of right about that. I figured Jankowski would have more speed, but he definitely made himself not quick and just playing bad. But meanwhile, Evan Rodriguez, um, we know he at least has some sort of speed on his game. He might not have a defensive abil- that much of a defensive ability or that much of a shot or a offensive game but we know he's quick and that's one thing that we can count on and that is one thing that if he plays with Lafferty well he'll at least play well with that because we've seen Lafferty just be bombing it up and down the up and down the ice yeah and and listen this is when all healthy so in my head and, and I don't know how this is gonna sound because I haven't really put it all together so I'll just say it I'll say this lineup and that's what we'll leave it with for the day if you have a Gensel Crosby, Kapanen, first line. Yep. All healthy. Normal. You yep. have a Zucker, Malkin, Rust, second line. Ideal. All healthy. If you have a McCann, Zach Aston Reese, Teddy Bluger, third line. Yep. And then a fourth line of Evan Rodriguez, Brandon Tanev, and Sam Lafferty. I think that's the best way you spread out your forwards to be able to roll four forward lines. You see, I do like that. I'm going to I'm going to agree with it. I'm going to want to implement Sevier 
just because I like a veteran presence of sorts. I get we have Crosby and Malkin. They're effing veterans beginning to end. But I kind of like see here as the idea of this non-traditional veteran. Like kind of Matt Cullen type that we've had over the years. Like they're a little more non-traditional in the way of we're na- they're names that we haven't heard of. But they've yeah. been around for, I just said, Seaver's been around for 10 seasons. This is his 10th season. That's nothing to scoff at when it comes to playing in the NHL. That's above average. And it's just, I mean, yeah, I get if, if Lafferty, I think Lafferty would be the guy I take out there at least as to be like the first man up if someone was to get hurt. And we know the Penguins, there's always an injury. So more often than not, Lafferty would be in that sort of lineup. I like the idea of Rodriguez in this lineup too. So I don't fully disagree with what you said. I just think that my idea of implementing Sevier in a way is just a downside of having a surplus of forwards. If you would have said Sevier's not on this team, I probably would have loved that lineup. Would have felt weird about... I mean, given the read at the beginning, I would have felt weird about having Bluger as the third line. But I mean, really re-listening to the episode where you vouched for him as a third-line center and seeing his play. Yeah, I get it. It makes perfect sense. If he's able to perform, he's able to perform, and that's where he belongs. Mm-hmm. I mean, ever since I picked him up in fantasy, he has done nothing. Oh, when so picked... that's why he hasn't scored lately. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I need to drop Penn's him. Twitter attack Nicholas yeah, J. No. Warwatt because he is the reason that Teddy Bluger hasn't scored in the last couple games. Don't worry. Monday morning, when this comes out, I'm making big changes to both of my fantasy teams. Um, and he might be one of them. But that being said, um, yeah, but again, if he is able to perform at a third-line pace, that's different than what my ideal of a, of a Penguins third-line center is. If he's able to perform at a third-line pace, that's just me needing to change my change my own brain. Yeah, I, like the, I do like the idea of Bluger as a third-line center. He just has to really go out and prove it. Again, he's had a slow couple of games. Superstition all you want <laughs> with my fantasy team. Um, it's been a down couple of games, obviously. Yeah. But, I mean, a down, you know, two, three, four games are going to happen, especially at the bottom six of the lineup. So I'm sure he'll, he'll turn that around soon enough, mm-hmm. especially when the whole lineup is healthy again, if it, get, if it gets healthy again, or if we just if. catch a groove. Yeah, yes. it will be an if. But if we just catch a groove... That's all we have to do. And like I said, I like your lineup idea. I implement C of Year just for a little veteran presence at the bottom, but that's just me, you know, mm-hmm. self-proclaiming as a definite hockey old guy sometimes. <laughs> I'll, I will hold to that. Um, but, and I, I also, I yeah, I brought up C of Year's, you know, center stats, face-off stats. I don't like him as a center either. Mm-hmm. But if he's an option, he is an option because he's – Probably better than Jankowski at this point. Yeah, I I want to see what happens when Jankowski gets a little bit of time off and when Jankowski gets a little bit less of a responsibility on that fourth line. But also, I have Lafferty as my center on that fourth line because I, I think figured, yeah. if everything runs through him, I think that's pretty good. And, and we saw what him and Tanev can do together. Now, the reason I don't have Sevier down there, and, I, and you made some good points, Sevier, like you said, is in his 10th season in the NHL. That's great veteran presence. Brandon Tanev is in his 6th, so there's some veteran presence there. And Colton can give them pep talks after they shower up and they're headed back (laughs) to the hotel room. So he can still have his veteran presence. He can still do all that if he wants. Locker room guy. Yeah, good locker room guy. Good 
I don't know what I was going to say, a water water cooler guy. So, but Horwat, what else do you have? Anything else before we let the folks go for the first time this week? Um, you know what? Don't lose faith quite yet. I just, um, I've been vouching for these whole 32 points that we have left, that we have available and up for grabs against these devils and sabers. Um, God dang it. I didn't want those to be the important games. Obviously, for, for obvious reasons, we didn't want those to be the important games, but they might turn out to be in one way or the other. And because we were at least in the hunt, we are not far out of this. We are five points out of first place. Granted, again, it's a feisty division where um, everyone's kind of, everyone still kind of has a chance. I mean, hell, if Buffalo really turns it around, I don't know how they would, but if Jack Eichel decides to just say, F it, I'm playing all four lines and all three defensive lines, and I'm, I don't know, maybe they make a trade for a goalie. I don't know. It's a shit organization, but Buffalo's still in it. No one is mathematically out of the playoffs yet. So it's very possible that, you know, any team could still win this division. There's still hope for the Penguins. And I tweeted at. I think it was Hunter Hodes. I don't know how to say his actual name. Yeah. yeah, he mentioned that there are still 32 points up for grabs against those two teams. And I said, I've been saying this for weeks. And I'm going to continue saying it, and we start playing them soon. Once we start losing to them, then I say worry. Yeah, that's but when you can take the old panic button out and give it a smash. Yeah, but for now, we have points to grab that we should grab. And there's nothing to worry about yet. Just keep an eye out. Don't lose faith. We're still good. We're still a good team. We are still a good team, even with Zucker hurt, even with us getting shut out. Hey, you know, this is the first time we've been shut out all season. Think of that. We have played some awful games where it, it yeah. seemed like we've been shut out. This is the first time we actually got shut out this season to a rookie goaltender that should one day be one of the better ones in the league. Should be. We'll see how that goes now because goaltending <laughs> is voodoo. And he had a cold start to his career. But that being said, anything's possible in this division. I'm just telling the people don't lose hope. And we'll see you Thursday for how many games do we have until Thursday? One. Only one? Be... Yeah. We, we got one game. So we had four to talk about today. We'll have one. But we're also going to have an interview. And we will yes. we'll pause on telling you who that is until it comes out on Thursday, but we will also have an interview for Thursday's episode. It is Pens versus Flyers week. Usually yeah. we get Pens versus Flyers day. We have a full week, three matchups coming three. up, starting with our Tuesday matchup in Pittsburgh. Five home games here. Let's hope the Penguins extend that 7-1 and one home record. But that's going to do it for this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you guys on Thursday. You can follow us on Twitter at NickHorwat41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You can also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. This podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcasts from, so please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. We are brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. You can visit them on Twitter at HockeyPodNet or at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. Every team, everywhere.